This occurrence gave an opportunity to the officers of the Northumberland of wanting their skill. And I am not sure that there was not a little sarcasm directed against our Navy in the great care which they took to recount to us the thousand and one examples of perils from which their skill or their valor had preserved them. The emperor having asked Admiral how many chronometers Admiralty allotted to a ship of war and whether it required merchant vessels to be provided with them. The conversation took another turn and led the emperor to speak of his efforts to supply France with a navy suitable to the importance of its commercial relations. Unfortunately, said he, I found nobody who understood me. During the expedition to Egypt, I had cast my eyes on Decray. His intelligence pleased me. I reckoned upon him for understanding and executing my projects with regard to the Navy. I was mistaken. His passion was to form a police and to find out by means of the smugglers every web which your ministers or the intriguers of Hartwell were weaving against me. And then he always proceeded on a system of coterie. The Navy of Rest against that of Toulon. No enlarged ideas. Always a spirit of locality and of insignificant detail. Paralyzing my views, I was obliged to give myself great trouble in order to send a small squadron of frigates to drive your commerce from India and from the Antilles. The old routine always obtained the upper hand. I should have done you a great deal of mischief had I been obeyed. But I was too much taken up with land affairs to be able to think of the Navy otherwise than by fits. What I have done will be known if ever my correspondence with Decray is published. The Navy of Louis the Sixteenth was no longer in existence when I took the government into my hands. The Republic possessed only four vessels of the line. The taking of Toulon, the Battle of the River Genesis, in 1793 of Rochefort, in 1791, and finally the Battle of Abukir had given the death blow to the Navy. Well, nothing withstanding the disaster of Trafalgar, which I owe solely to the disobedience of Admiral Villeneuve, I left France 100 vessels of the line, 80,000 sailors and soldiers, and all this in a reign of 10 years. And whilst I had to struggle against the coalition of the great powers of Europe. I ceded to England the scepter of the seas, but I required that she should respect the French flag on the sea. As Emperor of Austria and of Russia had learned from me to respect it on land, the Treaty of Paris had destroyed all that I did for the Navy. Centuries will perhaps elapse before my work is recommenced. Your power on sea no longer experiences any control. And if it is true that Louis the Eighteenth said he owed his crown to the Prince Regent, the latter might say with as much truth, I owe the Empire of the Seas to the Count d'Artois, who at instigation of Talleyrand signed without any necessity the sacrifice of the finest squadrons France ever had. In short, the Treaty of Paris is such a betrayal of the French interest that Louis the Eighteenth executed it as the thing done, but never ratified it with his signature. 